Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Have any of you heard of this woman who has, uh, gray, who has gained some world recognition, especially in the state of New York in the last few weeks, by the name of Karen Klein? Raise your hands high if you've heard of her. So, for those of you who didn't, there's only about a third of you raised your hands. Karen Klein is a woman who lives upstate New York. She's in her mid-60s, and she has a hearing difference. She gained that hearing difference as she got older. She wasn't born with it. She was employed as a school bus driver, but because of her hearing difference, she wasn't allowed legally to drive the school bus anymore. So they pivoted her position to being a school bus monitor. And in being a school bus monitor, her role was, as she escorted and monitored teenage kids to and from school to make sure that they behaved on the bus, that they were safe, and that the bus driver could do his or her role, which was driving the bus safely. We know that that happens on airplanes, that we want the people on the flight deck to fly the plane and not have to worry about unruly behavior behind. Well, Karen Klein, a grandmother, her own, a mother, member of the community, former bus driver, and now a school bus monitor, was videotaped by a student on the bus. And today, that's no big deal. When we were kids, videotaped on the bus was unheard of. You had to lug a big camera around. But today, everyone's got a camera in their pocket, on their phone. They're all the size of a palm. And they can capture anything. They can capture a sighting of a famous person, an act that we see. And one kid put his phone on and started videotaping a typical bus ride to or from school with their bus monitor. And for those of you who caught this video on YouTube, which has gone quite viral, about 2 million viewers, or for those of you that have tuned in to any of the morning shows or talk shows and have seen this issue and seen it being discussed, you saw that these 6th, 7th, and 8th graders ridiculed this Karen Klein, this school bus monitor, in a way that is unthinkable. They spoke to her in disgusting language, rudely, calling her all types of terrible names and all types of unthinkable sentences. Most of the things they said, I can't repeat here on the Bima. But even sentences and sentiments that were repulsive. Repulsive on so many levels. Repulsive that young people were talking this way and using this kind of language. Repulsive that young people were speaking this way to an elder. Repulsive that young people were speaking this way to someone who was charged with looking after their welfare. And repulsive that young people could come up with such disgusting and terrible thoughts and express them to another person that's supposed to have some level of authority in their lives. And it showed no level of respect, no level of remorse, and in particular, the word I'd like to focus on is no level of civility. Fortunately, since this video has gone viral, and many people have learned about Karen Klein and this sweet woman who makes very little money serving as a school bus monitor, and that she's really working because she needs the money and needs the pension, people have chipped in. And to date, they've raised close to a million dollars worldwide, predominantly from this country, to participate and help this woman retire in respect as she's deserved, 
and to send her on a little much-needed vacation after the ridicule that she was subject to. For me, it's beautiful to see the goodness of people who respond so viscerally when someone else is hurt or attacked and how they reply many times with our checkbooks to show that we don't stand for that level of behavior. So we're going to support her. And to prove that we don't stand for it, we send a check in for twenty, fifty, a hundred, or a thousand dollars, and it lets them know that we stand against that. For me, and what is the capstone of many ways my year, because a rabbinic year starts right before the high holidays, it ends around this time, and we take some time to turn the engines to idle and refresh and rejuvenate. If I were to focus on one word that has been a challenge for me this year, on a personal level, on a professional level, and on a global level, the word that comes to my mind is civility. And if I were to encapsulate the year as a challenge for humankind, and even for lovers of Israel, for Jews around the world, if we had to find a Time Magazine caption or word or theme, I would argue that one of the areas where we have struggled this year in particular is in civility. We seem to have an erosion of civility in our society and to me, we're not sounding the alarm buttons and we're not doing enough to change a culture and behavior. Because while I think it's quite beautiful and magnificent that so many people have written meaningful checks to send Karen Klein on a vacation and to ensure her retirement so she doesn't have to be subject to those mean young kids. What really is necessary is sitting down with your kids and having a conversation with them. And I'm going to take a guess here, and I have no way of charting this guess, and I would love to be wrong. But I would guess that the majority of people who wrote the check didn't hesitate to do so. But I wonder if they sat down and had a meaningful conversation with the people that mattered most in their lives, and in particular, with their children or grandchildren. If they talked to them about values and ethics. If they modeled for them what matters. How is it different? A few years ago, during the State of the Union, a particular congressperson from Florida screamed out to the president, you lie. Now, that congressperson is entitled to disagree with the president of the United States. That's what makes Congress work. It's a beautiful thing. And if they don't disagree, there's something unhealthy going on in the way we run our system. The question at hand is, is that the right forum to say that I disagree? is yelling out in the State of the Union to the sitting president, you lie, an appropriate way to say that I disagree. Is that appropriate for that person's constituency? Is it appropriate for the other members of the House who might be younger, more junior Congress people? Is it appropriate to show that level of respect to the president, whether Republican or Democrat? It doesn't matter. Is that the way we're supposed to behave? Are we supposed to behave that when we have a parade saluting Israel and celebrating Israel, that some people should stand and protest and say, I'm not marching in that parade if that group is marching. 
because that group that bears that name doesn't have Israel's best interests at heart. And I know, because I have a divine knowledge, what Israel's best interests are, and that group doesn't have it. And because they don't have it, they don't have the right to walk in the parade. And because they can't walk in the parade, and if they do, I won't walk in the parade. Is that any different from calling out to the sitting president? You lie. Is that any different from taking a school bus monitor in her mid-60s and calling her a whole slew of names and rude things? Of course we should have debate and dialogue amongst our people. Of course we should disagree. And we have many things in our world to disagree on. Republicans versus Democrats. Should we give back the West Bank territories or should we keep it because we earned it in blood? Should we be having conversations about invading in Syria and not allowing this to happen anymore or letting them fight their own fight? These are worthy, meaningful, substantive conversations that should happen. And occasionally, they will escalate and increase to more than conversations, but to heated debate. But the problem is not debate and not conversation and not dialogue. The problem is the erosion of civility that exists in those debates. Today in the Parsha, we learned about a failed coup d'etat, a failed takeover by Korach, Datan, and Aviram, three individuals who were dissatisfied with the level of leadership that they received from Moses and from others. So, what did they do? They hurled tons of terrible statements and falsities and untruths at Moses and the leadership, speaking about how they will take them to a bad place, to a land that's not promised, taking them to a place that they don't deserve. But I, I, Korach, I, Datana and Aviram, we're going to take you to the right place. And these guys are no goodniks. They're trouble. They're bad. And as a result, Moses said, God... I didn't take anything from them. I didn't steal anything from them. They have no right to have this animus towards me. And I don't accept these words and phrases that they throw my way. And as a result of their lack of civility, the earth opens up and they're swallowed up. Why? The rabbis ask the question, why? Is it because they dared to challenge? Or is it because in the manner in which they challenged. And I say, it's the latter, not the former. We challenge people. That's the nature of Judaism. Rabbi Akiva challenged Rabbi Tarphone, who challenged Rabbi Yehuda. The house of Hillel challenged the house of Shammai. It happened all the time. We challenge each other when we sit at board meetings, whether for the JCC or the UJA or the JNF or the JTS or even our synagogue. We should challenge each other. We should engage in meaningful dialogues and debates and conversations. But what has been missing in our communities, and I say this on the micro and on the macro level, is a stricter adherence to civility. To realizing that morality comes first. Because if we behave that way in a boardroom, and a congressman behaves that way during the State of the Union. 
And we behave that way in a pre-meeting before we march down the streets of Fifth Avenue in the freest nation in the world to celebrate a country that's 64 years young that our 2,000-year-old ancestry couldn't even dream about as a reality. And we're yelling because they don't deserve to walk down there because they don't fit into our particular ideological portfolio or they don't fit into our religious profile. If we behave that way and we expect our children to get on the bus and to show kindness to the monitor on there, we are kidding ourselves. We're kidding ourselves when we don't model that level of civility in our boardrooms, when we don't model that level of civility in our households, when we don't model that level of civility in Congress, in the shopping centers, and everywhere we go, if we don't do that, we can't be disappointed when we see kids behave that way on a bus to a monitor. Now, obviously, I saw the video, and obviously I was appalled by the way these young people spoke to another human being. It only exacerbated the wrong that this human being was a paid employee, was a senior citizen, had a learning difference, and chose the high road, did not engage back in dialogue or debate with them, but actually became quite tearful at some of the many cruel things she was being called. And she doesn't seek revenge. She doesn't want any of the kids to be punished so that they're expelled, which the school had considered. She only requested that they be banned from riding the bus for a year, and she requested that they be banned from extracurricular school activities like sports, that they shouldn't be able to participate in those team activities for a year. She could have gone after them with all her might, but she chose the high road. So when I saw this video and I see this behavior, of course I'm upset by it and I'm repulsed by it and it's bothering me. But what's scaring me is that I wasn't shocked by it. And it scares me that many of you weren't either. And if my job and your job is not to stop rude behavior on a bus, but to stop the erosion of civility that seems to be happening before our eyes, we have to go to the germ of the problem. And we can't behave a certain way in all these other environments and say, I have a force field around me. It doesn't apply here. It doesn't work. We have to behave and model the exact same way. And I am as responsible as each and every one of you we have to make our goals that we model civility in all that we do at all times. Because if we don't, then the world could fall out beneath us. Then the fate of Korah and Datan and Aviram could be our fate too. If not literally, then figuratively. Maybe the Jewish world could be a better place if Korah said, Moses, I appreciate your leadership. You've done amazing things for the Jewish people. You have demonstrated courage in a way that others could never muster. And you have strengths that you bring to the table and talents that I can only dream of having. Versus some areas that I feel there are gaps and deficiencies. And I want to talk to you about them. I want to work on them together. And I don't want to discount you as a leader, but I want to share areas where I think I can compliment you. Now that might sound funny or far-fetched to hear, but it could have changed the fate of the Jewish people because we don't know how Moses would have reacted. And what if we would have done the same thing in Congress where that congressman said, I respect the President of the United States, but I passionately disagree with many of the things he said and I find the veracity of some of his statements to be untrue. 
and allow me a forum to share where I find them to be untrue would have changed the entire complexion of that contention that happened after the State of the Union. And imagine that the people at those meetings before the Salute to Israel parade actually said, anyone who loves Israel has a right to march in this parade, even if I passionately disagree with some of the things that you stand for. Doesn't that have a different value? Doesn't that show a different adherence to Klal Yisrael, to a love of all humanity of Israel and all lovers of Zion? Because if we can't do that, then we are doomed. And we can't afford for the earth to fall out beneath us. As this Shabbat serves as a capstone to our bar and bat mitzvah season, and it serves as a time that we put the wheels down for landing and have been cleared to come in onto the runway, let it be a time for us to spend the summer cleaning out our heads, our minds, our bodies, and shaping our morals and values so that these things that might become viral on YouTube again shock us again. Because I think the point where it stops shocking us is the real point of fear. Allow it to stop shocking us. Allow it to not only cause us to reach into our pocketbooks, but to sit our children and grandchildren down and to have meaningful conversations with them about behavior, about morals and values, about the way we speak to others. And allow it, beyond that, to be a moment where we actually demonstrate and model the behaviors that we're speaking about too. That it only serves as a reinforcement as opposed to simply a lip service. Because if we do that, then these videos, these moments will be few and far between. And the moral majority will indeed win. And the moral majority is one that does right and one that doesn't cause us to feel that these terrible things are things that just happen in an eroding civility in the world. Let us gain it back and let this be the time we do so. Amen. Hazan continues.